where they elected in our new president. And he started this campaign thing about the double barrel where you have to go and report to the local police department that you're a drug addict, register. And if you don't register, what they do is they come back and they knock on your door and their method of dealing with the drug problem is to shoot and kill. And we've been seeing thousands and thousands of people just dying in the, in the midst of that. You're also catching children, women, men, anybody that's in the line of fire. I was told that in the beginning when he started doing this, it, they, they were doing this alphabet thing. If your name and you know started with an O and they asked you what your last name was, you said Ortiz, you just happened to be you know shot and killed right there. And um, I, I don't want to take too much time because I want my husband to be able to share the word, but please keep the Philippines in prayer. We um, are in the midst of um, opening our missionary home. You know, we don't know who's coming. We, we just know that God said, uh, you know, start it, build it, repair it, do whatever you got to do. Prepare the house. So we're preparing the house. And if it's, you know, God's will for you to be there, to be, you know, sent there for whether it's three months, six months, a year, I just want to let you know and be encouraged that there is a place for you to come. God bless you this morning. Praise the Lord. And so uh, the thanks, thank God for United We Can, because actually the remodeling of the house there is being funded by the, uh, an offering that Sister Julie sent towards us to be able to remodel the house. Amen. And the house is there. We're actually also, the opportunities opened up so that we can probably purchase the whole property. And, uh, you know, we're seeing God do things that has never been done there in Asia. We're looking forward to raising up Filipino ministers, licensed ministers. Amen. Men and women are starting to feel the call to go ahead and plant churches and feel a part of the vision. We've been preaching it to them for a number of years now. And uh, I think that we're at that season now where they're biting into it. And they're saying, okay, yes, we believe that the Filipinos are the ones God wants to raise up. Amen. But how many know that there's so many souls out there? There's so many souls out there. In the drug war, there's been more than 12,000 people killed just in the last two years. And that's just in the drug war itself. Some of those are from the syndicates. Some of them are from, you know, the police. But pretty much they cannot determine who's doing what. But they, the numbers just keep adding and adding and adding. And, but we are very blessed that, they, you know, where we're positioned at, we have such a good name. We've, we've worked hard to establish a, a, a name that is not, you know, the, the kind of name where we're always looking for handouts. And we're always looking for, you know what, help us as we help others kind of mindset. I think that we're, right now what we see is that because we've worked hard at doing that, now the church itself is being supported by the church members. Somebody can say amen. The men's home is being supported by the church members. Can I get an amen? But not only that, but the city recognizes that our church is the ones who's willing to invest to help reach people. So because they see that, they held us in a little a different you know, respect level. So much that they've actually invited me to come into the city hall and become a spiritual advisor to the, to the mayor as well as to the, 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 the national police force in our city. And when this drug war took place, they knew, hey, we don't know how to help these people. And literally, I could see how really lost they are and how to help drug addicts. 
and thank God because when they invited me in, their heart's desire was not to try to kill them all, to try to avoid that if all possible. So then they said, you know what, let's give Victory Outreach a chance to help us to reach these people because in our city they have 3,000 people who have actually signed up and put their name on the drug-dependent list. And so, of course, we can't put 3,000 men in the home. Hello, somebody. And some of them are, you know, teenagers. Some of them are women. And, you know, so they asked Victory Outreach. He said, do you have some kind of program that we can do that can kind of, you know, help these people get on the right track and clean up? And, you know, of course, right away I said yes, but I had no idea what we are going to do. Amen. But when we were able to, you know, they said, well, give us the proposal the next day. So I said, okay, we'll do it. So I went back to the church, and we sat down, and I talked to, you know, my associate pastor there and the staff. And I said, we got to figure out what God wants us to do. This is an opportunity. How many know when, when God opens doors, you got to be ready to walk through them? You can't hesitate. When you hesitate, you're going to find yourself really wrestling and struggling, and you're going to feel that struggle on the inside. So when we were able to give that opportunity, what happened was, as I said, we wrote up a proposal. We just started a 12-step Christian program. But in the proposal, I, st- I made it clear, look, they're going to go to these classes, but they're also going to have to go to church every week. And right away, the approval came through. They pushed it right through all the red tape. They said, let's do it. And within a couple weeks, we actually launched the first one, and we've been doing it now. And now, because of that, they've actually just passed me the whole responsibility to try to continue to make sure that the city is doing their programs and so forth, so that not not only when the people get through the program, but when Victory Outreach says that these individuals have been drug-free for at least 12 weeks, what happens is the city takes their name off the list. When Victory Outreach says they're changed, the city says, we believe. And against all the adversity, we got the priests of the big churches there, of the Catholic churches, you know, kind of upset because, you know, they're giving us the opportunity. But how many know, hey, they had their chance. <laughs> but no, they, they, the reality is, is even though they, they're getting, you know, uh, ridiculed and things like that, Nevertheless, God is always going to do because he loves those people. He loves those people. And, you know, it, it, it continues to burden my heart to know that, you know, the enemy is assassinating our people. Because those people are our victory outreach people. Those people that are being killed, those people should have the opportunity to come to victory outreach and to be able to discover the plan and purpose of God. How many can say amen? How many agree with me this morning, this afternoon? And we're, we're just grateful to be there. 15 years now, it seems like just yesterday, amen, when you're running and gunning for the Lord, you know, there's no looking at what time is it, how long has it been. In fact, my wife and daughter are always messing with me because I'm always wrong at how long, how many years it's been and this and that because <laughs> I know that God has called us just to be in it for the long haul. How many can say amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You guys can go ahead and go down. Thank you. Stand to your feet with me, if you would. So we've challenged the leadership of our church, and it's sometimes hard as a pastor when they're making decisions that you don't always, I don't know about that, but trying to give them a chance to grow into their calling. How many can say amen? And pray for us, because we actually are, you know, starting to see that, you know, because God is growing the church, because we're having some victories and successes, not only in the Philippines, but in Indonesia, that, you know, uh, God is starting to strategically plan that 
you know, we got to do something there in Asia as, in, as an international family. How many can say amen? So please keep us in prayer. Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 and 17. And I thank God for the men's home, 1995. I was able to go in there. I looked messed up, tore up. About 100 pounds ago. No, really. 100 pounds ago, and I ain't, I ain't that big, but no amens? Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> hey, I got jokes now, praise the Lord. We went to Pueblo this morning. I told him, I'm sorry, I'm not a joking kind of preacher. You know, some people tell me, you need more jokes. You got too much passion. Numbers 11, verse 16 and 17. You got it, say one church, many locations. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people. In other words, they had respect from the people. And officers over them, and bring them unto the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon you, and I will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that, the, that you not bear it by yourself alone. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning, that, this afternoon, that your Holy Spirit will just be in full control, as I know that you want to speak to each one of us in this place. We truly are a part of such a great work that you are raising up in the inner cities of the world. And allow us to continue to be united as one church in many locations. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five and say, we are one church. Many locations. You may be seated. I want to break your microphones. Praise the Lord. I think it was, where was I? I was in Denver. I was having a hard time with their microphone. It turned out that they didn't give me the right one. I kept hitting the button. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Today I want to mention that, you know, many times there's a stigma when it comes to missionaries. That, you know, oh, you sacrifice and you pay the price so much and you live in a third world country where, you know, it's so hot and you got to take a shower with a, with a little pail sometimes. <laughs> you know, but the truth is, is that I want to just erase that from your memory, from your mind, because the truth is, is that when you find yourself where God called you to be, when you find yourself in God's perfect alignment and perfect will, that the truth is, none of that really makes a difference to you. You find that you can find comfort in even the most uncomfortable situations. And besides that, me and my wife, we're both graduates of the homes anyways. So the homes, you know, kind of trained us anyways to be able to be wherever we need to be for the Lord. Now, I know that many, some people, when they come to the mission field, they, they find out right away that they're really not called to be there. 
And that's okay because how many know that God did not call everybody to have the same gifting or the same place within the, the work that God has given us to do? And that's, that's what we, we have to agree on that. And we have to find is you got to discover where exactly God wants you to be. Because when you finally get step into a place where God opens a door, I remember when the first time I had the opportunity to go into the mission field, I remember the whole experience because Pastor Steve had said, listen, I want, pa I want Christian, and the secretary calls me from the church, says, Pastor wants you to go with him to, to another city. He's going to go preach. And I said, okay. And so the next day I go to the church, got my bags, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm with you know Pastor Steve and three of the, the, the ministers of the church, and I'm, and I'm just like out of the men's home. Hello, somebody. Started feeling really insecure. <laughs> but I, I, I was wondering, why am I here? But how many know that the man of God many times has a strategy and plan? I remember when he first asked me to go, he, he, you know how he asked me? He had a flyer from the drama that was done in, in Ireland, and he said, here, when we got to the church and I'm sitting in the front row just waiting for the church service to start, he turns over and he hands me a flyer. He said, here, so you know where you're going. If you knew, if you knew Pastor Steve at all, that's the kind of personality he had. But because he knew he was my shepherd, because I had his heart, because I was being, he knew that if, if, if ever the call or opportunity came forth, I would be willing to do whatever God needed me to do. Because I knew he, he, he saw that within me. He saw that potential. He saw that inside of my life, and he probably recognized the gifting. And so I remember, I got nervous. I got scared. I was just 23 years old. And, and I said, you know what? Are you sure you want me to go? This was going on inside my head for almost a week. Hello, somebody wrestling with you, you know, and saying, I never said, yes, I'll go, hello. In fact, he called me to testify the next Sunday. I went up there and I said, thank God for my salvation. I thank God he set me free, and that's pretty much it, and I went down. But I want you to know that, listen, when you are placed where God wants you to be, even in your local church here, discovering exactly where God's alignment for you is, you, the alignment he might have for you today may not necessarily be the alignment for you tomorrow. But nevertheless, when you're in God's perfect will, you know that, hey, the peace, the, the, the contentment, just like Paul said, I'm content in any circumstances. I can be a base, I can have a lot, and I can have nothing. It doesn't matter. I'm content. Hello, somebody. And that's what happens when you're in God's will, when you're answering God's purpose and God's plan for your life. How many know that he's all you need? And I continue to look at how God has taken us on such a wonderful and a non-boring kind of journey that we are on. How many can say amen? If you're bored right now in, in, going, in serving God, then we need to talk. Hello, somebody. Here in Numbers, what we see is that we, if you read previously in the chapter, you see that Pastor Moses was there, and he began to cry out to God and say, God, are you mad at me right now? God, did I do something wrong? Why, God, have you chosen me to go ahead and deal with all these stubborn people? Oh, it's quiet in here. How many know that we, we can all be stubborn sometimes? Every single one of us, no matter what. We can all have our stubborn mentality. But I can hear in his prayer that he was pretty much at the brink of a nervous breakdown. 
He had been carrying the weight of the nation of Israel for so long, and they had been good, and then they were all down, you know, then they were up, and then they were down, and, and the people would get it, then they would backslide, then they'd get it, then they'd backslide. How many know that he was probably feeling the burden of, of seeing them, hey man, come on guys, you know, God has a plan for this nation, God is trying to bring us to that promised land, God is trying to bring you to a better place, God has a purpose and a vision for our nation, and, and because of that vision and that purpose, we need to begin to stop getting to the place where we, we get all ungrateful and stubborn and we got to get a breakthrough. Can I get an amen? The burden of what? Of the people was upon his shoulders. I believe at this time he felt the burden like never before. You see, that's what happens when a man of God is called to go ahead and, and take a city or a man of God begins to look up and begin to see that the people are scattered like sheep without a shepherd. That's what happens when you, you see men, such potential in the men that come in the home and such potential in a marriage that was almost on the brink of divorce, how God began to restore and heal it. And there's a purpose why God wanted to heal and restore it. How many know that as a man of God that begins to say, you know, wait upon their life as they look out to the city and they see the home homeless and they see the drug addicts and if you have any opportunity to travel the world I'll tell you when it comes to code red my friend listen in America you don't really see what's going on on the sex slavery hello somebody but when you step into the Asian countries they're not hiding it it's right there in your face in fact you can find it on the internet it's on the internet the statistics the places the the people involved they don't have to hide it why because they're just playing off the police they're paying off the people around there and they're continuously allowing it when I walk into the city hall and I'm there in these meetings and I'm sitting there and I try to every once in a while I drop a little bit of hint about the prostitution problem, I could tell right away they try to brush it off, probably because some of them are involved in it. But to them it's okay. Drug problem, all right, let's deal with that, but let, let, let's leave that alone. But literally, there's places, I've been in Seoul, Seoul Korea, where I've been and went out to the streets and was trying to minister to the drug addicts and, and minister to these meth addicts of the streets. And I want you to know, in Korea, there's only one program right now, and it's not a Christian program that are helping drug addicts, but so there's a big need in these countries. And as you get a chance to go and come in contact with the need in these different countries, and you begin to see that they have these compounds where young children and women and men are locked up in the rooms all all day long and they have to wait there until somebody comes in and somebody goes out my friend what happens is you start to feel the burden of the world upon your shoulders I told you I'm not going to be too funny hey people tell me I got too much passion that's all right because I'm victory outreach You can't see and experience what I've experienced and not be too passionate about reaching souls. In fact, that's just what drives you sometimes when the weight of the, the, the ministry starts to bear down upon you and there ain't nobody there to talk to or nobody to turn around to. That's what begins to wake you, still wake you up in the morning. That passion of, of man, somebody needs to hear the gospel today. I, I gotta wake up, I gotta get up, I gotta do whatever God, whatever God is gonna lead me. I gotta be open and ready. I gotta be armored up because I'm gonna fight some demons today. Hello, somebody. I gotta be ready to go ahead and begin to take claim over those treasures out of darkness because God promised me in Isaiah 
Isaiah that if he, if I will only begin to take him by the hand, he's going to lead me to places where there's going to be souls. Driven by passion. Driven by the need around you, the burden of the people. Moses was carrying that upon his own shoulders because the people were still short-sighted. They didn't understand it. They were getting it, they would get it, and then they would lose it. Get it, and then lose it. So as he poured out his heart to God, God said, okay, I see, I see now it's time. Tell your neighbor, now's the time. Tell your neighbor, now's the time. So God said, all right, get some people with good character. People who have solid character. Because he said, get the elders that are held in a, in a certain respect level from the different tribes. And how many know the one thing that gets people respect is strong, godly character. And that's what we need to see in this church Colorado Springs, you've been involved in helping us in the mission field. Your pastor keeps coming out and helping us to, to teach and to train. And, and Colorado Springs, I want you to know something, that now is the time where some of you start understanding that God wants to establish a godly character in your life so that God begin to bring you to the church house. And, and not only that, but as you have that godly character, God's going to begin to speak to, your, to the man of God as he preaches the word. Sometimes we get so used to hearing Pastor Albert preach the same thing over and over. We, we, we hear about the Philippines. We hear about Indonesia. We hear about the need. We hear about how we got to do this and do that. But sometimes we get so used to hearing it from the shepherd that we become kind of cold and, and insensitive to it. Can I get an amen? But when somebody flies 7,000 miles to come into your city and then they start saying the same thing that your pastor's saying, you something starts stirring you up, that's what I'm here to do to stay. Listen, Colorado Springs, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure I get to that church because that church has a different calling. That church doesn't have just a calling just to take the city, but that church has a calling, what, to help fulfill the vision and the mission that we have there in Asia. And how many know that now is the time where God is saying, listen some of you couples some of you singles you need to have that solid character and go to church every Sunday go on Wednesday get involved in a life group why because God said listen the first step is bring them to the church bring them to the tent of meeting and what I'm going to do said God I'm going to speak to you Moses and you're going to begin to speak to them the preaching of the word on Sunday shouldn't just be another oh feel good kind of sermon to be honest, if it made you feel all good and bubbly inside, then something ain't right. Because how many know we all need to get right? We all need to change. We all need to grow. We all need to chisel away some things in our life that are holding us back. So when I go to church, this is me personally, when I go to church and I'm able to sit down and hear the preaching, it doesn't matter who the preacher is. It doesn't matter if I really like him or not. Hello, somebody. But I'm there to hear the Holy Spirit begin to tug at my heart. I'm there to feel a little bit of a conviction because I need to change. Why am I going to church to hear the word? The word of God is a double-edged sword so it can begin to show me the things of the flesh and the things of the spirit so that I can begin to understand, hey, all right, now this is the path that I need to stay on right here. These are the decisions 
decisions I need to make. Why? Because God is speaking into my heart. And if God says it, then I'm going to do it. So God said, bring them to church. Tell your neighbor, let's go to church. Don't let the enemy prevent it. I'm sorry if I step on your toes right now, but who are you going to serve? Okay, because many times our master becomes the boss at our job. We start serving and submitting ourselves as a slave to our jobs. And we need to shift our mentality and understand that that job should be your servant. Your boss should be your servant. Our mindset should shift so that we can say, you know what? I'm working here to bless your company, to be a blessing to your company. But guess what? I'm working here so that you can help me channel the finances to the kingdom. Everything we do should be about the kingdom. If God is our master, how many know servants do whatever they can to build the kingdom? All that they do, their whole life's purpose as a servant is to build the kingdom of the master. How many can say praise the Lord? So go to church. Tell your neighbor, go to church. He said, I'm going to speak to you, Moses, but then I'm going to take the spirit that's upon your life and I'm going to put it upon their life. This is kind of like getting the heart of your pastor. That's kind of a similar situation. And I feel like never before, especially when it comes to our founders, right now we need to do whatever we can to make sure that we catch the spirit of our founder. We need to make sure that the spirit that's upon our leader and upon the man that's been trailblazing this work and, and has success, I think we better wake up and realize God gives him success because he's doing what God wants him. He's in alignment with what God wants him to do. And so I don't know about you, but I think that, listen, I want to do whatever I can over the last 23 years to make sure that the same spirit that's on Pastor Sonny will be upon my life because I want to make sure that everything I I do is going to make sure and be in alignment with what God is wants us to do and the same way that the spirit that is upon your pastor too you need to also understand that the pastor carries the burden of your city the pastor carries the burden of this communities the pastor carries the burden of your marriages of your families of your lost children and of unsaved loved ones all of that trust me it keeps up a pastor at night sometimes it begins to weigh so much down upon their lives and guess what that's why God said listen I'm going to take the spirit upon you Moses and I'm going to begin to place it upon them because we got to be in one spirit we can't have a bunch of a military force in this church trying to go in all kinds of different directions you need to get your marching orders from the man of God you need to get your marching orders from the pulpit and allow those marching orders to say, okay, I'm going to stay in step. I'm going to stay in tune. Whatever God gives me to do within my church, I'm going to make sure that it's in alignment. Can I get an amen? Come on now. Imagine the possibilities. If only you'll allow God to put it upon your life like that. You see, because when you start to receive the spirit that's upon the pastor, and you're in alignment with the vision then you start to also operate in the authority that's upon their life. 
the same authority that's upon the man of God, as you have his heart, as you have his spirit, also begins to give you the opportunity to walk in it, to live in it, and to fight with it. But only if you're willing to take on a portion of the burden. See, that's the catchphrase. Some of us, we want people to know our name. We want people to remember who we are. We want to make sure that people turn their head. Oh, there's that man of God. There's that sister. Ooh, watch out. Demon slayer. We want the authority. But then again, we don't realize the more authority is exercised through your life, the more you're willing to take on more of the burden. For whom? For one another? For the pastor of your church? To make sure he doesn't get to that point where Moses had to be? To make sure he's good physically? To make sure he's emotionally good? You see, when the church doesn't share the burden, it begins to be heavier upon the man of God. Do you hear me? And your pastor has been trying to say, okay, Colorado Springs, we've got to do something more. We're not just called to reach the springs only, but we are a part of Victor Outreach International. We're not a local church. We're a movement because that's the same words that come from our founders. That's the same words that we hear from him as we're getting receiving it. He's saying, listen, stop, don't focus on just building your church. Step into the movement of Victory Outreach International. And when you begin to step into the movement of Victory Outreach International, then what happens is you begin to move with the anointing that is upon Victory Outreach International. You begin to move with the authority that is upon Victory Outreach International. And how many know that Victory Outreach International has a powerful anointing upon the ministry? Can I get an amen? If you think about it, within 50 years, God has done such a mighty work from the neighborhood of East L.A. Hello, somebody. They just began into a church where God, the Word of God was doing what it had to do, and God was raising up an international ministry that was going to have the promise to inherit the inner cities of the world. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. This is a powerful anointing that God has upon this ministry only within 50 years that this has taken place. That's the anointing God can give to you. But you got to move with the international. You got to move and share the burden. Take the burden. Look up. And look and start to see the, the people wandering around with nobody to help them, nobody to guide them, nobody to protect them, nobody to, to be there. Because there ain't nobody like Victory Outreach doing it out there. Hello. But we're seeing healings and victories and heroin addicts being set free. I could tell you a story after story of seeing heroin addicts. And I never touched heroin, thank God. I was a meth monster. I didn't push that stuff away. No, thank you. No, thank you. But, man, God still was able to anoint me to be used in a heroin addict country like Ireland. 
God still, I heard the testimony of our founder being healed overnight, and Pastor and Nikki be praying for him, and I hear these stories, and hey, I don't just hear them and, oh, feel all good. No, I'm saying, hey, man, God did something then, back in the 60s, well, then why not now? And that's what happened when I was there in Ireland, pioneering a men's home, and, and believing God for these heroin addicts coming in, all messed up and tore up, afraid to kick. Guess what? All it took was a little bit of prayer, and standing over them, and praying, and praying, and all of a sudden, they would fall asleep sleep and they would wake up brand new wondering what the heck I don't feel the pain I don't feel the struggle what's going on because that's the anointing of Victory Outreach International the burdens out there the world and we need to be willing to share the burden with our founders we need to be willing to share the burden with our leaders you might say, well, I'm not going to go to take a city. That's, just, that's good. That's okay. But if you are called, don't push it away. Don't say, well, tomorrow. Don't say, mana for manana. Hello? Don't think and say, oh, I got to make sure that I'm financially secure so that I can go and have a support system. We went out. Newlywed, first anniversary, I preached on our first wedding anniversary. We had a three-month-old baby. The next day, I was on the airplane. No promise of support. I didn't even know if United We Can was supporting the church. I didn't know, but I just knew that, hey, if God called me and called us to be there, because guess what? We were trying, they were trying to send us to Cape Town, and Pastor Steve was trying to send us to Indonesia, but I knew that no matter what, God was going to place us where we needed to be. And if God's in it, you're going to win it. Don't try to figure it out. What you do is you're robbing yourself from experiencing miracles, provisions, pancake batter kind of anointing. We hear about it, but sometimes we just don't really believe it. Yeah, right, Sister Julie. But that we, oh yeah, I believe it. But then does your life actually say you believe it? Come on now. Shake up your neighbor right now. You guys are getting all intense on me right now. Praise the Lord. All right. Too much passion to digest or what? That's what I'm called to do. If this is my calling, I'm going to do it. And then if you can take the inheritance, God bless you. But I want to challenge your faith. Stir you up. Test the Lord. Launch out into the deep. Do what God has called you to do, even locally here. Because there's those that are called to go, and there's those that are called to send. Nevertheless, find where God wants you to be in alignment. And get there. Get there. Because the water feels good. It feels good. Anywhere you are, you're going to have to pay a price. And if you push away God's calling and you're going to pay a price. The price is going to be passionate sermons like this. The price is going to be that you're going to maybe have pockets with holes in them. Who's your master? Who's your master? Come on, talk to me. Who's your master? 
Who's your master? And have a mindset of a servant to the king. We are one church, many locations. And realize that you have family in Asia. We are a family of God. We are a military that God is raising up. Ready to take control of the dark cities. Those dark places. Those places where you, you and I used to be. You're going to bring the light. You're going to bring the gospel. You're going to be able to get on an airplane someday and go and preach to somebody sitting next to you. You're going to be in a Walmart or a store someday and all of a sudden somebody's going to ask you to pray for them. But you've got to be a light right here. Build this right here. In order to make an impact anywhere else, you've got to do it here. You've got to have a launching pad. I'm going to close with this. Maybe you guys can come on up. Just because I said that, something came into my spirit. I remember when I was in Ireland, the first time I went to be missionary. The leaders out there wanted me to stay because I overstayed my visa. So they're all like, hey, you should just stay as, as long as until they kick you out. Nah, I'm cool, man. They wanted me to stay because, you know, the church went through a transition from the first pastor who left. My biggest fear came to pass. And I had to shepherd the people. And I was barely two years saved. And then after the new pastor came, they wanted me to stay. And, but in my spirit, I said, no, I'm not completely. God wants me to go back to my base. And make sure that Hayward is a strong base. Because my pastor has a vision to launch out, not just to Ireland or the Philippines. He has a vision for the world. So I knew that no matter what, if I'm going to stay anywhere, it's going to be because he told me to. And if he says, okay, go, I go. But nevertheless, I need to make sure that Hayward's a strong base so that when they do send you out, you've got family who really pray for you, who really encourage you. So you've got to get in alignment with what God wants you to do here. Because he ain't going to send you nowhere else until you are. And some of y'all, maybe it's been too long. You've been in alignment too long and you're starting to get disaligned. Maybe you need to get on. Maybe you need to get on. Because in giving, we get. When we step into the movement of Victor Outreach International, which is a worldwide movement, then God begins to build the church. He's the one that builds this. He said, Upon this rock, I, Jesus Christ, will build my church. And then the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Sometimes we're so caught up building the church that when the devil launches an assault, oh man, we weren't ready for it. But we are called to be co-laborers with the Spirit of God.
And God wants you to align yourself, each one of you, to build a platform here in the Springs area to begin to launch out some of those men and women that need to go and fulfill their alignment. How many can say amen? Victory Outreach inspires and instills with individuals the desire to fulfill your potential in life. It's time to reach your potential, Springs. The time is now. The time is now. You're building this, but why? Why are you building it? Just to have a, a, a bigger family? No. We are a mission-driven ministry. Let's all stand. Lift up your hands right where you're at, church. Lift up your hands. Now, I've, maybe I have brought kind of a strong message to some of us in this place. I don't apologize for it, but what I do say is, listen, I want to invite you to come on up here.